0: How are you guys doing, Chinyamaji family? This is your host, Mark Karaki. This week, we have a surprise guest on the podcast for you. Yours truly, myself, will be the guest on the podcast. Yes, I figured it was about time that I shared my own personal story, my own entrepreneurial journey. So I talk through my exit out of Silicon Savannah and my re-entry back into, into the country and the highs and lows and the experiences that I've gained in that process. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everybody. This is the Chini Magic Podcast, brought to you by Impact Africa Network. Today, we've, we've got things. We flipped the script on on you guys today. I am actually going to be the the guest on my own podcast okay. uh, to to tell my story, and I am super honored and excited to to be hosted or interviewed by Andile. Interviewed,
1: I guess. Right. Hosted by yourself, but hosted by yourself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> By Andile uh, Andile, sorry, what, what's your last name? Ngwenya. And uh, Andile is from Zimbabwe, yes. right? And you know what's interesting? Mm-hmm. I actually know another Andile who has his own podcast Oh, wow And wow. you don't know Andile Musuhu?
1: Um, no, but okay. I will now I <laughs> you know
0: you will so, Andila hosts a podcast out of Johannesburg. Oh, great. It's actually called the African Tech Roundup. Ah. And uh, he's been doing this for a few years. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm a guest on his podcast tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Oh, This is an awesome week awesome for me. Two
1: <laughs> so, That's actually yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a
0: guest on, on two podcasts by two Andile's. Yes. That's actually for both from Zimbabwe. Yeah. So, I guess Africa is really coming together. We and I'm really at, the, I'm at yeah. the epicenter of that. So, that's kind <laughs> of cool. Anyway, so um, so yeah, I'm a guest on my own podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an opportunity for me to tell my story, my yeah. entrepreneurial journey and, and all that. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for being gracious enough uh, to pitch it. Mm-hmm. You found out about this yesterday.
1: <laughs> yes, found out about it yesterday. It was a bit of last minute, but that's what we do, so awesome. <laughs> it's good. So
0: yeah. audience, I'm meeting the at the first the first yes.
1: This is our first meeting, our first official meeting. Meeting, so yeah. you're
0: meeting. You and I are meeting a other for the first time. So, yes. um, so tell us
1: uh, about yourself,
0: introduce yourself, and let's go from there.
1: Okay, so my name is Andy Lenguena. I'm a communications professional. I've worked in uh, Zambia, the UK, and uh, Kigali, Rwanda, and then recently moved to Kenya when I got married um, with my husband, who works here. So I've worked within communications for uh, NGOs and humanitarian initiatives such as World Vision Zambia, UNICEF Zambia, and I was working at um, a small initiative called the SDG Centre for Africa. SDG meaning the UN Sustainable Development Goals Centre for Africa in Kigali Rwanda before I moved to uh, Kenya. So I've had a long uh, background within digital marketing, communications, uh, public relations, as well as gender and advocacy. As well so,
0: awesome. yeah. so so why did so you you and I got introduced through Janet, mm-hmm. uh, who who runs the Nexus co-working yeah. uh, space here, and I had been telling Janet for some time I'm like, "Hey, I need somebody to kind of host me on her own podcast. Why' yeah. don't you do it?" <laughs> and she kind of said, "You know, she's got other things she's, going on. she's, she's so busy, busy. yeah. So, <laughs> She basically was... to like, run a tight ship here. She's
1: right. very busy. <laughs> I, I don't know. I,
0: I think Janet just maybe is a bit shy. Of, so I've been asking Janet to to, to to let us do an ad for them mm-hmm. on the podcast, but she has a Maybe she's just shy of... of being being I out there. Think so. I, don't know.
1: I think so. Yeah, it takes a type of person to like be okay with both the audio and the video components. Right. So. <laughs> so how do
0: you guys know each other? What's your background mm-hmm.
1: with, with Janet? I actually know her through a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, who I met through my cousin who lived in in Kenya for many years and grew up here. Mm-hmm. Um, I also grew up in um, Nairobi a little bit when I was younger. Oh. So it's moving back here is like moving back home. So uh, it's a it's a nice experience. It's um it's very a live and I find that there's so many different you know businesses that have started up and different areas of business that people can go into Mm -hmm. and more easily these days with more um, more easily accessible funding initiatives as well Mm. so it's such a great city to be in and it's very alive I love it here right
0: you know some some entrepreneurs will push back on that easy access to funding
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, nothing's ever really easy, but I mean, it's it's more easy Easier. to get more information about it. You know, there are more conferences held about it. There's more um, organizations, startup uh, organizations that fund other startups, you know, so it's it's more of a situation where you don't have to search for the information. And I think that's more... Um, because of our digital innovation that we have, you know, everything is accessible online, um, everything is, you know, tweeted and, and, and sent out on social media as well but um, also because there's just more of it, I right. feel. <coughs> yeah. Right, yeah, it's an
0: inter- it's definitely an interesting time yeah. for uh, Africa at yeah. large but also mm-hmm. specifically certain uh, zones mm-hmm. like, like Nairobi, yeah. Silicon Savannah Yes um, yeah, It's doing its thing and there's yeah. a lot of it's attracting a lot of energy people around this innovative entrepreneurship, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's 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 very true. Um, so you've been you were in Kigali just before you came, right? Yes, I was in Kigali. How would you for compare two the two? Oh. have you been long enough to be able to kind of oh, yes. suss out some differences?
1: Yes, even speaking Kinyarwanda. So oh, wow, okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, Kigali is a booming city, it's very small, so you wouldn't actually notice it when you got there, but once you get into whether it's your your field This technology, whether it's um, entertainment and communications, public relations, events, um, there are so many different areas of business that you can go into, and Kigali really has become the conference capital of Africa. You know, every single conference, whether it's the African Union, whether it's you know, um, you know, various different conferences are held in Kigali uh, for the reason that they've really invested so much capital into um, holding different meetings to bring more awareness to. Towards various issues so whether it's business to business whether it's startups whether it's technology and digital innovation or how African countries can really come together and use each other's resources to help, help Africa as a continent grow right. so I really feel like that has you know sort of it's like a spring. It started up in in Kigali, but it's something that has been in in Kenya for so long and has uh, really flourished in Kenya. But it's it's nice to see other East African countries really get involved in that. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Great. Well, um, I guess we should. Around and
1: yes,
0: (laughs) I should start start answering questions. Yeah, sure.
1: So, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, who is Mark? What have you done? And, um, what where do you feel like your expertise lies?
0: Cool. So, um, who is Mark? Well, I guess I'll just start with my kind of origin story. So, I was was born and raised in in Nairobi, um, went to high school here, went to uh, Star Boys and uh, also St. Mary's for. This it's called the International Baccalaureate program. Yes, Uh, I did did, it too. You 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 didn't? Yeah, I did. No, in Zambia. In Zambia, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I I did both of those, and um, and I, my, you know, my my dream, you know, when I was going to high school, and and that time was was. uh, was to play professional soccer, actually. Wow. Yeah. So I guess I was raised by a single mom, yeah. and 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 you know we, we didn't we, we struggled to kind of just maintain a middle class mm-hmm. lifestyle, um, as you can imagine, a single mom, you know, uh, in in Africa or any part of the world, really. Yeah. It's 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 it's, uh, it's tough going, mm-hmm. and so through those life experiences, I kind of had a developed a sharp sense for. Um, you know, the need to control your destiny and kind of be very pragmatic mm-hmm. about uh, the choices you make mm-hmm. in terms of them leading you down the path you need to go, which is basically being able to um, be financially dependent and, <clears throat> and that type of stuff. So um, so very early I kind of uh, looked at, I took stock of my uh, assets mm-hmm. and liabilities, if you will. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I realized, and at the, and at the time... Um, our university system wasn't as efficient uh, in Kenya. In Kenya uh, there were a lot of, you know, closures and unscheduled closures mm-hmm. of um, universities during, you know, the the semester or when when kids should be in school. Yeah. and everything was very uncertain. So, mm-hmm. you know, I graduated from high school and I. I, I Got accepted in university here because you sit this kind of national exam where everybody competes for this small percentage of university slots. Okay. And, you know, um, is maybe. Is that like the, an
1: SAT or? Uh,
0: it's, it's a national exam. So, I okay. mean, SAT is more of a, I guess, a board. I don't know if. SAT is different. So, yeah. here it's, it's just everybody in the country uh, on their all levels of, you know, when they graduate high school they sit the same exam and that is kind of like an entry into um, higher education and there's a certain uh, set of slots of public universities that accept those people who actually make it so it's kind of like a competition to actually get in. You know most of my friends, the school I went to actually did pretty well, we we usually graduated 98% of the kids in in my high school went to university and it was just a a great school to be part of. Um, and so, anyway, I got accepted into university. But when, I, when when you started looking at the conditions on the ground, it was like, wow, okay, you're putting yourself in this cauldron of uncertainty, mm-hmm. right? And waiting to see what happens. And then when I played out, okay, so what happens even when you graduate? Uh, just not having enough information about what the opportunities were available. Because when I, you know, when I when I looked at my my friends and their parents, yeah, uh, the people who did well tended to be one of two types of people. Mm-hmm. Um, Either maybe three. Um, either they had old money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and who knew where that money came from? <laughs> Everything at their disposal. Yeah, <laughs> right? they had old money, and, mm-hmm. and usually that came from you know in, you know legacy in the after post independence kind of yeah. somehow people made money at that time, mm-hmm. um, or they were in the in politics, uh, yeah. or they were in business in some way shape or form. Mm-hmm. Those are the only car- Those are the only paths to kind of financial independence that I saw. And I didn't see, I didn't have any access to any of those, or, or, or first of all, we didn't have, the, the old money thing wasn't a thing. Yeah. Um, politics just was like this, I was not interested in that, or how even, it's not even something that if you're young. It was on uh, your radar. That's, that's something yeah. you, that even you could, you'd think about, yeah. right? Yeah. And then um, business, so business was always a question of, okay, you need capital to so yeah. actually start a business. Yeah. And I, I remember just kind of evaluating those this, the circumstances and saying, okay, what is it that I have that I can deploy, mm-hmm. right? I can put to work that can get me, help me cross the chasm. And to me, in my view, crossing the chasm was this uh, capital, right? You needed capital to be able to inst- set up a business of some kind or, or at least get to the other side. Mm-hmm. Because there were only two types of people in, in society. There yeah. were those who had made it and mm-hmm. there were those who, who hadn't in, yeah. in, in Kenya back in the day and still very much the same. Um, there was no real middle class or a path or, or, or um, a way that you could point to that if I do X, Y, and Z from a, starting, from a standing start, mm-hmm. I could actually make that, 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 that uh, transition. transition. There was just this big chasm that I couldn't. Yeah. So in my view, I was like, okay, these conditions don't, don't bode well yeah. for, for uh, an ambitious young person or mm-hmm. who wants to, to make something of their, of their life.
1: And I asked, did other students at the school that you were in feel the same way? Number one, number two, did you have an international community, or was it mainly Kenyan students in your school? So
0: which school? Were, in
1: in uh, high school.
0: Okay, so for in, IB. Yeah. Okay, so 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 both communities. So IB is almost like an extension of high school. Yes. My real, real high school experience was Starehe, so that's a very interesting school. Like Mm -hmm. 75% of the students who who attended that school Mm -hmm. came from completely underprivileged backgrounds. I mean, kids who who were pretty much poor, right? And it was supported through uh, philanthropic kind of um, uh, donors, and it was quite a phenomenon, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Starehe has produced some of the uh, most uh, uh, high-performing um, professionals. Uh, students went through that program. And I remember, you know, just when I went there for my first uh, year, mm-hmm. I remember kids who had never seen a light switch. Wow. I remember kids who had never seen uh, running water, mm-hmm. right? And I was a Nairobi kid, I was one in the city, and I was mm-hmm. like, wow, this is very different even for me mm-hmm. to experience that. And today, some of those people, are living in different capitals around the world, wow. right? So that's kind of what the, the power of transformation, exposure, mm-hmm. access. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really kind of has had, had an impact on me. So I guess to answer your question, the kids who I went to school with in Starahe, we were, it was just a different environment mm-hmm. than IB in a very real way. Right? Yeah. So when I went to IB um, at St. Mary's, these were upper middle class kids. Yes. I wasn't upper middle class by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. right? I pretended I was. I acted like I was, but not really, right? Yeah. We're, we're hanging on by, by the skin of our teeth, if you will. Yeah. And so that was a significant, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, disconnect in my mind, right? Mm-hmm. I was just like looking at their, some of these kids drove cars to school, not, not maybe 10% or whatever, but, mm-hmm. you know. And I looked at them and I was like, wow, this is not, this is, I'm not in the same it's boat. not the norm, right? yeah. This, yeah. The same, I don't have the yeah. same yeah. options. yeah. And so, um, because IB was this idea that you would go to, to, to those schools and then you it was a path to yes. international education, yeah. right? And I was like, gosh, we can't even afford an air ticket wow. to leave. Yeah. So what is this? Why am I here? Mm-hmm. And so that's when the, my, my desire to actually find my uh, unique gift mm-hmm. or path intensified very, very strongly. Mm-hmm. And when I was in IB, it became like, holy cow, I need to actually... Um, Figure this stuff out, yeah. and so I looked at my, you know, uh, assets and, and, and abilities as I said, and I said I, I loved playing soccer. I was good at it. Mm-hmm. I played for four years in, at at Sterehe. Uh Again, Africa doesn't, at least Kenya, didn't have a path where if you are a soccer player, you could see again. There was there was there was no way for you to put one foot in front of the other and yeah. make it to some kind of outcome. Mm-hmm. So you had to figure it out on your own, and. Um, so as I was going to school, I reached a point where I, I, I said, this is what I need to do. I need to figure out how to either get to Europe, get to the UK, yeah. and that was the first thing I tried to do. Yeah. And I couldn't get a visa to go to the UK. I put a lot of energy and time into that. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing was uh, the US. So fortunately, there was a gentleman who was recruiting for some US universities who were looking to recruit players from Africa. and. Wow. You know. And
1: you were still actively a soccer player.
0: I was still actively okay? a soccer player, um, mm-hmm. and um, I had I, I put all my eggs in that basket at some point. Mm-hmm. And I remember this the way this happened. So when I when I reached high school, uh, when I was a first first year, form one, I think we used to call it. Yeah. Um, I joined the team and. Um, which was, a, which was an achievement for a first-year first, first year student to join the team. So that kind of told me that, hey, maybe you're good. So was, you, you need some signals in your life to tell you what you're capable of. And when I joined the school, there was this player who had left who mm-hmm. was legendary. So there was this name that the team, my teammates would talk about. Mm-hmm. And he was so good. And I, had, I didn't meet him because he had graduated. And um, we had this game where the old boys would come and play the current team mm-hmm. and he was going to be coming that day so i was really excited to see this guy because i wanted to benchmark myself against somebody who everybody thought was phenomenal mm-hmm. and even this the, around st- this where my, where my high school was there were neighboring primary schools mm-hmm. and those mm-hmm. primary schools would always stop at the fence and this barbed wire fence and look in when we were playing mm-hmm. and ask if so and so was playing that name of this guy Right. So let's call him For that reputation. Yeah, yeah. Let's call him Joseph. So yeah. they would always be saying, is Joseph playing? Is Joseph playing? So I was like, how good is this guy? Because, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, you know, I respected some of the players and they were, they raved about him. So anyway, so he showed up at this game. Uh, and when he walked into the, with his entourage, when they walked into like the the, the pitch, right? Mm-hmm. The pitch area. I mean, he had... At the time, it was just when uh, Maradona, this, Maradona had left this um, image of what a great player was yeah. in the collective consciousness. Mm-hmm. This is late, late 90s, yeah. um, actually mid 90s. This is this, this is that time, and so he he fit the mold. Like mm-hmm. he was short, stocky, and powerful. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy cow, yeah, that that looks like he looks apart. part. Yeah. And when we played, he was he was amazing. And so I tracked his career. You know through time mm-hmm. and i remember watching him play for, i think he played once or twice for the national team in mm-hmm. national team he played for a big club here uh, fc leopards for um for a season or two mm-hmm. and i just watched him from afar i didn't have a relationship with him and he just kind of faded out of the limelight mm-hmm. and so he was the one person who i said if this guy can ever break out mm-hmm. and make it to europe Maybe we'll have scouts coming in from Europe and say, hey, maybe it's not just Ghana and Nigeria who have yeah. got players." Anyway, long story short is um, a few years later, I'm on public transport and I, I'm just kind of standing in the back of a bus and I, I kind of glance over and I see this gentleman just sitting down kind of hunched over with no, you know how you, you see somebody and you just see like there's no passion, there's no life. Yeah. There's, they're just kind of in a nondescript brown coat. Mm-hmm. And I looked better and I'm like, oh my God, that's dude, that's Joseph, that's the guy. Mm -hmm. And it had such a massive impact on me because I could see if you give up on your dreams, what happens.
1: What happens, where you were to what you could be. Yeah, and I was like, that's the day I made the
0: decision Mm -hmm. that, oh my God, I am not going to be that guy because I I saw what his potential was. He was really good. Anyway.
1: Do so, you feel like he gave up when you saw him? Like, you didn't know his whole story, but it did seem as though his dream was yes, over. Yes,
0: yes. To me, that's the image that stuck yeah. in my mind. Okay. I was like, this guy succumbed to what we were told growing up. Go to school, get a good education, get a good job. Stop playing football. This is mm. stupid. You know, what are you doing? Blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. You're in Kenyatta University. He made it to, to, to university. And he, 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 he played the role that he had yeah. been kind
1: of... Um, Followed the path. Yeah,
0: follow the path. Yeah. And man, that had such a massive impact on me. So I made the decision right then and there. I remember very... That was a pivotal moment for me. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going for this thing. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody says. It took me three years um, after IB. And I remember putting my foot down and telling my, my, my mom, I was like, listen, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. This, this is... I don't even, I don't, I don't have any business being in this school right here yeah. with these rich kids. Mm-hmm. So we need to figure out how I'm going to get out of here wow. because this is what I need to do. I need to such
1: gumption at that age, like yeah. especially with an African parent to tell your mother who's worked so hard that know, mom, right? there's another way. And trust me, I know what I'm talking about. It's, yeah. I just
0: felt like, yeah, I, you know, I just, I may, I don't know, like, um, anyway that's i guess my story yeah. <laughs> and um it took me three years mm-hmm. and after after ib mm-hmm. kids uh who we went to school with flew out to to the uk and, and different parts of the world to go to school mm-hmm. and they would come back every summer mm-hmm. so the first summer they came back i was still you know trying to figure out how i'm going to, what i'm doing uh, I, I knew what i was trying to do but it hadn't happened yet yeah. and then the second summer they came back but fortunately, by the time they come coming for the second summer, mm-hmm. I had gotten my scholarship. You know, and, and I remember one time I was at uh, this one place where people would go out to, to it was a, the hangouts Yeah. It was called Carnivore. So it mm-hmm. was where people would, would go and kind of congregate. And I remember this one guy, <clears throat> uh, Ivy, classmate of mine, and he was like, hey, uh, the, how people ask you, all <laughs> right? So uh, what are you doing How's now? everything yeah.
1: good? <laughs> what school are you enrolled that's, in? That's, yeah.
0: question. that's <laughs> that question. <laughs> Let me just start on you real (laughs) quick. And uh, I remember just uh, saying, yeah, I'm leaving for the States next week. He's like, oh really? How how did that happen? I was like, yeah, I got a soccer scholarship. And his jaw hit the floor. And that was so beautiful. Yeah. Because at, at St. Mary's, I was the anti... Because St. Mary's is a, is a rugby school. Yes. I was the anti-rugby guy. Yeah. I played soccer the whole time. Mm-hmm. I practiced by myself. I was this crazy
1: person. People were like, what is up <laughs> like, with this guy? People thought I was... Yeah, I remember yeah. one, one friend, trying to my, be different.
0: <laughs> I wasn't even trying to be different. I was...
1: No, just, so people thought. Oh, maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe,
0: maybe, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I remember people...
0: I guess I maybe had one time people saying that this guy is just clueless or yeah. crazy or whatever they didn't get me but you know i mean it's not like i wasn't friends with people mm-hmm. but i just told my own line i just mm-hmm. followed i just danced to the tune of a different drama mm-hmm. and that's what i was i was i was, I was uh, that was my identity wow. anyway so telling that dropping that one on, on, on that guy was was a very very satisfying um experience and anyway i remember kind of getting to the airport and looking at the plane and saying, holy cow, this is actually happening. Your dream's coming true. The opportunity to actually make a skill, a talent that you have manifest. Yes, a dream manifest into something real in the world. Mm. That was so like, man, because it wasn't easy. It was three years of just, you know, uh, Having, perseverance. Perseverance and having yeah. to deal with people telling you, who do you know who's ever done that? Yeah. You know, I'd be like, I'm going to be the guy who the other kids are going to say, oh, yeah, that he did it. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, made it out there and, and played soccer for a few years uh, in, in in West Virginia. Um, While studying? Yeah, yeah. This at was University
1: of West Virginia? Or? This was Charleston? University of Charleston in Charleston? West, in West okay. Virginia. Uh-huh.
0: Uh, and that's another story. Yeah. Uh, West Virginia is a very interesting place. It is. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's... um. Yeah, so um, fortunately for me, I had an aunt who actually uh, immigrated to the, to the States at the same time I did, and she, mm-hmm. she moved to California. Mm-hmm. So I'll visit her over <coughs> the summers. And my first summer there, uh, it was during, just before the dot-com bust, This was mm-hmm. the year 2000. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the Bay Area was startups, and it was just crazy, yeah. right? And so through a friend of hers, she was, uh, I got a, a, p- a part-time job, uh, like a summer job, at, at a startup, mm-hmm. and uh, this was the original Uber that nobody ever heard of. Yeah. It's called RightSource.com. Wow. Okay, so this was the dot-com boom. Dot-com so, boom yeah. <laughs> so this was the first phase of were <laughs> trying to create automatable kind of experiences. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, I worked at RightSource.com, and I was doing kind of data, I think data entry, mm-hmm. and I was in the inside of this thing. And I remember thinking, wow, will this thing ever work? Because my job was actually to call taxi drivers mm-hmm. and pull them into the network. Mm-hmm. And all of them had such different kind of situations. Anyway, um, I'm kind of getting too wonky here. But I got bit by the startup bug. I was like, these people are creating new things for yeah. real. So I went back to school and then <clears throat> I came back in, in, in 2001. And When you had finished? When I, yeah, when I finished. And... Uh, and I was in a, I was back in the Bay Area because that's where I had family and it's and very fortunate because you could end up anywhere in exactly, the States, right? Yeah. It's just a lack of yeah. the draw.
1: And it's good that you had that grounding, like a foundation of having a family member oh, with, huge, yeah. or a family friend. It means a lot it when you It means a lot because you yeah. have a place to start. Mm-hmm.
0: And um, so anyway, um, <clears throat> so I was in the Bay Area, the dot-com bubble had bust and there was not a lot of tech startups uh, or tech jobs mm-hmm. are um, what was scarce, right? And so I ended up, yeah, my first job actually was at, a, uh, uh, my first real job was at an old school um, silicon chip manufacturing uh, company. Mm-hmm. And I remember, <laughs> like, the, during the interview process, they had this kind of very ostentatious uh Lobby area, mm-hmm. so I was like, "Man, this lobby so cool! Yeah. I'm sure inside must be amazing and have a whole these, you know, glass-walled kind of environment where so you can, you know." So I was, I had, I built this notion of what it would look like when yeah. you went around the corner uh-huh. when you made it in, and I remember when I actually made it in, and I just turned the corner and it was cubicleville. Wow! And I was like, "Oh my god, this sucks." <laughs> <laughs>
1: So like from the reception, you're thinking it's amazing, it's you know innovative, it's this is that, and then it's a this, dead the reality of life is it's Wall Street, like cubicle after cubicle. Yeah, and yeah. I was like
0: man, this is crazy. So yeah. I lasted eight months. Yeah. What were you doing there? <laughs> I was actually so I minored I majored in econ and minored in information systems, mm-hmm. and uh, so and my, my whole thing as again was about hedging for uh, optimizing for. Uh, what is the least shortest path between where I am and the outcome I want? And because you know, what football was able to provide for me was an education. Mm. Initially, my dream was to play professional soccer, make a million bucks over a ten-year career, and then use that as capital to start businesses. Mm-hmm. Now I was like, okay, that plan didn't work, but at least I got an education here. Yeah. So, what is the shortest distance between where I am and a three hundred thousand dollars income annual income? Because in my mind, I was like, okay, I could, I could send $100,000 back home to my family to start businesses, mm-hmm. uh, I could live off 100000 mm-hmm. <laughs> and I could save 100,000 for the future. Yeah. Not even considering taxes. Yes, <laughs>
1: and all of that, the, the realities of life, <laughs> and And no,
0: no clue about what it, so I had no clue about what it would take. So I remember asking the guy who, the smartest guy I knew at the time when I was in college, mm-hmm. taking a step back, was our systems administrator guy. Mm-hmm. You know, Windows systems administrator, network administrator person. He was the smartest guy I knew in computers, right? <clears throat> and I remember asking him, hey, what's the shortest distance between, what's the shortest path mm-hmm. to a leadership position in a, in a, in a company, at a VP? Because yeah, I just thought, VPs make money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was, uh, and the question was, do I do it through tech, mm-hmm. right? Or do I do it through business? Mm-hmm. And he said, you do it through tech. Now when I look back, I'm like he had never done it, so how would he know? Yeah. Right? So it was just <laughs> I guess he was like stunned, like why is this guy asking me this question? So I gotta give him an answer. Anyway, so I, when I when I moved to the Bay Area, that was my plan, right? Mm-hmm. How do I get to a VP level uh-huh. at whatever? Right? <laughs> whatever it is, but and then um, and then make that money and execute on that on that plan. Um, so that was the tech focus was from that advice? So so yes. So I, exactly, exactly. So so I, when I worked at National Semiconductor. That's the company I worked at. Um, I was working in the network administration side Mm -hmm. and I was starting from the bottom. Mm -hmm. My job was to coordinate moves. So, when somebody's moving a cubicle, right, Mm -hmm. or they're moving an office, there are all these, the infrastructure, right, Mm -hmm. has to move the phone, the the internet connectivity, just all this stuff. So, it was called network services anyway and it was the most boring job right oh you would wait yeah. for tickets to come in mm-hmm. and you'd push them to another group to <laughs> 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 i lasted eight months man uh, i shit. like <laughs> i was like this sucks i need a place where i can talk to people yeah. engage with the world move things We're and so on and so forth yeah. Yeah. yeah i was discovering my personality what, yes. I, what I what i which uh, is
1: always good it's it's good to you know, when you're starting out, you don't really know. You, you don't throw know yourself into things, and you learn yourself through it. Totally, yeah. And
0: so I lasted eight months, and and I, you know, I got fired basically from the job because oh, I, I was just dragging. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, "Man, you're not. This is not a fit." Yeah. Um, and then I got hired into a, a mortgage company, um, mm-hmm. and mortgages were hot at the time. This mm-hmm. is in two thousand two, mm-hmm. right? And it was everywhere, and wow. so. So I went into that industry, I was like, okay, this is interesting, you learn some finance, you, this is a very important sector, financial sector, so it's good to actually get that experience. Mm-hmm. So I, I spent like two years in that, or three years in that, from 2002 to 2004. And so I actually, wo- anyway, I tell so many stories. But I, I worked in that industry and I, and it was such a frothy time. Mm-hmm. Like everybody and their grandma was either selling a mortgage, selling a, refinancing a mortgage, mm-hmm or it was selling property, it was just crazy. Mm-hmm. Especially in the Bay Area, in that, that part of the world. The whole United States was caught up in this frenzy, right? Yeah. And I remember looking at this, and my econ backer was selling me. I remember looking at this one, one loan mm-hmm. that somebody was being given, an $800,000 loan, and he's at an income of $75,000. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this guy can afford this. And something just told me, like, this is not going to last. Mm-hmm. Supply and demand mechanics just was, to me, I wasn't that sophisticated as, yeah. as a Wall Street person or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like this is not going to last. And so when this crashes, uh, everybody's going to be looking for a job. So I, let me go into tech yeah. before everybody starts to kind of storm the gates. So you, you saw
1: will. the crash before it came.
0: And I can't tell you why. So It's there were two, very
1: visionary, you know? It, yeah. There
0: were two things. One was... I was not really enamored by the whole industry. Yeah, It, it attracted all kinds of weirdo people who oh, yeah. you didn't he, want to be a You didn't drink
1: the Kool-Aid, basically. Yeah. It, it, it was just... <sighs> it wasn't even a dream of yours no, to be in mortgaging. It wasn't. So, yeah. was, to me, it was very
0: like, again,
1: it, it, it didn't take any too many smarts to
0: mm. actually do mortgages. So mm-hmm. anybody could do it and make money. And
1: I was like, yeah, I don't want to be
0: around this. Yeah. And I can see this is kind of not... So anyway, all those things kind of contributed. I wanted to get back into tech and yeah. business, that intersection, and I was like, okay. Now, I'd been in the barrier long enough to be, to be able to understand the business of technology and mm-hmm. startups and kind of had some exposure there. And so I made that move, and I joined my first startup, into, to my first real kind of full-time job startup in 2004. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I spent two years there, and then I joined uh, the next one in 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I spent three and a half years there. And at each one, I learned different things. The first one was a fast-scaling company. I joined, I think, as employee number eight, and by the time I was leaving in 18 months, Mm -hmm. we were 65 people, right? And it was, and I could see that that material. It was was fast-paced, right, relatively Mm -hmm. speaking. And then the next startup I went to was kind of not like that. Uh, They were selling a much more complex Solution. They're actually trying to sell voice recognition software for the enterprise. So when you call it into mm-hmm. customer service, mm-hmm. it could do what Siri does today, yes. right? And this was mm-hmm. be, this is 2006, 2007. Some yeah. very smart people, yeah. but very complicated stuff to sell, mm-hmm. very expensive. Mm-hmm. Average deal size was half a million dollars. The biggest deal they ever did was $3.4 million. Yeah. One and they're basing
1: it off of... Mm, non-mobile applications. Because this was this before, is before the iPhone. This is this enterprise is, sale. Yeah. You're yeah. selling into the customer service yeah. center, uh-huh. you know,
0: call center, techno software. Yes. So it's automating calls uh-huh. so that they don't hit a body so mm-hmm. you can save money. That's the, the business yeah. model. And so, yeah, I mean, some of this, this is where I learned mm-hmm. that nothing is kind of, there's no dotted line to outcome. Yes. You have to be creative. Yeah. You have to think around. The I saw that the team that were, the, the sales marketing team, um, because I was I was in supporting the sales team kind of uh, at that time in my career, and I just saw how they thought outside the box. Because yeah. when they went to meet a potential customer, mm-hmm. it wasn't so much about your just your uh, what you had to offer, mm-hmm. it's how they felt you understood them. Yeah. And they did some very very creative things with that. They won accounts at American uh, at uh, American Airlines, Apple, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And yeah and i just realized that there's a significant element of creativity thinking outside the box bringing that uh, m- secret sauce to actually uh, unlocking business yeah I, there's a strong personalization element to this a lot mm-hmm. of the, you know a lot of us you know we become we, we go through an education system that kind of helps thing makes you think that the world is very predetermined yes and if you just as long as you p-
1: follow the steps that we've taught you you'll be okay it will be okay and just finish your degree and then apply for jobs and you'll get the job within the same degree that you applied for everything because is... you're still gonna feel like it's relevant <laughs> <laughs> so many lies are told to us or assumptions you know it's just that's not the way the world works. It's not. Yeah. And
0: and being exposed yeah. to seeing people winning yes. business deals with brand names mm-hmm. from creativity, mm-hmm. I was like, Wow, this is different. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then also at the same time realizing that, oh, my mind also works, like in the sense that there are some things that I was like, Why are they doing that? I don't think that's the right thing to do. And then yeah. that would be validated by somebody in the organization saying, and I was like, okay, I can understand some yeah. of this stuff. Yeah, I, you know,
1: you're critically analyzing. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And, 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 and introducing some new ideas or concepts and then seeing them work and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So you start to kind of build that uh, uh, capacity and, and confidence. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and I remember also, at, <laughs> I remember at that company, I remember asking the CEO once, actually, this company was very interesting, the second company. This is, I actually saw Silicon Valley in action or... Mm-hmm in a very real sense. St- and
1: explain to our audience about Silicon Valley because they're not really, some people may not be knowledgeable. Yeah, about so it. I guess
0: yeah. the, the way I'd like to describe it is it's, it's, it's the epicenter, has been the epicenter of all technology innovation. Like Everything we use, mostly, generally speaking, 80% of everything we use from a technology standpoint was birthed or built there. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was built somewhere else, but it was built there for sure. So it's, it's kind of like, uh, it, it's, it's, I call it the number one, uh, wealth aggregator mm-hmm. uh, and innovation entrepreneurship aggregator in history, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's it's where companies are built. Great companies have been built through there because of the conditions that they have. They have venture capital and talent and experience mm-hmm. and just a certain kind of uh, ethos, belief mm-hmm. system where entrepreneurship is championed and, and you get support and people are so supportive. Mm-hmm. It's, it's this very, very interesting magical place. Think, at least it was before the tech bro thing came around. Yeah. Um, anyway, so and this
1: was which re- region of California? Sorry, which region of California? Oh, it's Northern California.
0: So mm-hmm. it's uh so the north. I guess it's called San Francisco Bay Area. So mm-hmm. it's Northern California um, between San Francisco, Oakland, the triangle, and San Jose. Mm-hmm. Kind of that's kind of where the whole magic happens. But the real epicenter of that has always been between San Jose and San Francisco. Mm-hmm. There's this corridor which is connected by this freeway. These two freeways. One is called 101, um, and Stanford and Palo Alto is in the middle of that. and So that's kind of like where everything is created um, over the last, as far as technology, the commercialization of tech is concerned. But anyway, so it's 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 kind of like the petri dish of. If you want to build a career in technology, man, yeah. there was no better place to be. Yeah. Very few places in the world where you could actually invite. Uh, you very
1: fortunate to have the opportunity to, to live in that area. And huge,
0: huge. Just, uh, yeah. just what you absorb, just mm-hmm. by being there, by working in these companies, by seeing. So what I was going to tell you is like, mm-hmm. I, saw, uh, I saw Silicon Valley in action, uh, the dark side of Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. where a very be- much beloved CTO, mm-hmm. right, founder of the company, or the voice recognition company, mm-hmm. was walked out of the company
1: oh, wow. right, by, ben-
0: yeah. by investors. Yeah. And uh, that was a surreal experience. We were called to an all-hands meeting, because uh, we used to have all these all-hands meetings all the time, mm-hmm. uh, maybe monthly or quarterly or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember he, he, he stood in front of the company as he would usually do. We were a company Maybe maybe uh, 120 people. And in that office, we had maybe 65. It was a distributed team, different parts of, of, of the country and the world. And I remember he stood up there, and he kind of uh, was going to say something and broke down and walked out. Wow. And we're like, what just happened? And then this new CEO stepped out in front and takes charge of the situation. And I'm like, we're like,
1: what's happening That's yeah? your first experience. Yeah, that was my first of experience. Of a turnover. Of my overcast. And was,
0: it's interesting because it was we were right next to... Apple, yeah, and Apple had the same experience with Steve Jobs. Uh-huh. Right now, where our office is uh-huh. is within the Apple compound of the new building. We were right next to so wow. all those. It's all you're pressed up against each other with experiences. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah. that had a, a very significant impact on me in terms of thinking, wow, this is crazy. Like, mm-hmm. how could you do that? This was an awesome dude. We're all working so hard, mm-hmm. you know. So it 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 informed my view in terms of how I how I thought the right thing to do was when it comes to business relationships uh, uh, and how I would conduct myself because I wouldn't want to be part of that or do anything like that to anybody, right? Mm -hmm. So, while... Anyway, so, so fast forward to... Now, the next startup I worked at was after that, I went to, I went to, I went to Oracle. So I went to Oracle, which isn't a startup by any stretch, mm-hmm. but I choose Oracle because it was my MBA in enterprise sales, mm-hmm. right? Because I wanted to learn, exp- expand my horizons and see more than just any specific domain technologies that were being sold from, you know, I guess, voice recognition, and then I was at, uh, at uh, online job boards before that, and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. So what, what Oracle, provided me was this complete uh, spectrum of, of uh, technology applications that mm-hmm. businesses use. So for me, I, I looked at it as my MBA mm-hmm. in tech, uh, go-to-market enterprise sales process. Yeah. Just understand the breadth of what's used inside a company, right? Mm-hmm. From ERP to HR software to BI to just the whole thing, right? How does this, how does thing stitch together? Because you can see a company from the outside. Mm-hmm. But you don't really know how what's happening, right? Yeah. In the IT department. So I wanted to get in, into that, and that, that's what I was fortunate to, to be able to do. That after that, I went to an information security startup in San Jose, and then after that, I uh, <clears throat> ended up at, uh, um, at a privacy company in in uh, San Francisco, mm-hmm. and that coincided with me. I'd spent my whole time in in the suburbs, in in, the, in not in the city, in in and I, I i wanted to actually experience the city for for uh for some time yeah. um, and so i moved to san francisco with this joined this company i uh, spent three years there and um and then i i we after that period i was now during that time i was actually starting to think about what's what's my next move right mm-hmm. like and i would look at my um Options, mm-hmm. uh, because as you grow in your career, you start to becoming more discerning. Yeah. You start to have to think, uh, okay, two or three steps ahead, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And, and when I looked around, I just couldn't see people who looked like me in yeah. positions, uh, aspirational positions. Yeah. I mean, many, many times I was the only black person in a company, let yeah. right alone yeah. African, and. It was a very lonely experience because mm-hmm. you always need. How do you think
1: that uh, affected your your experience within the organizations, but also the way in which you related with other people who were of your race who entered in the company? Or
0: there were not that many who entered in the company, and if whenever there was, we kind of gravitated to each other really, really, yeah. really quick. Yeah. Um. But there was that many. It was like a desert, mm-hmm. culturally speaking, for yeah. me. Right. Um. And I remember many times. You know, the, the, when the company put their total addressable market on a screen, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is the this is the world market that we're going after. Africa was always this big black nothing, right? Nothing was happening no, in
1: Africa. I, uh, yeah, like,
0: no plans, the, the plan yeah, no highlights. Yeah. And then, it always yeah. made me feel so invisible and like, yeah. I'm nobody, like, you know, like I shouldn't even talk here, right? Yeah. <laughs> what am I saying? Yeah. Um, but after some time, that started looking like more of an opportunity, yeah. right? The more experience I got, I was like, wait a minute, this is actually. Somebody's gonna to have to build these things for mm-hmm. this market. Yeah. So that was kind of deposited in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so by the time I was in my fourth, fifth startup, I was starting to say this is 2014,
2: mm-hmm.
0: 13, actually 2012. Mm-hmm. I remember when, when Barack was uh, winning his second term, mm-hmm. when he was running for his second election. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't remember, obviously they, they were not there, yeah. but me and a very good friend of mine who was also Kenyan, we were following that thing like, every day. day. Because it was so yeah. important to us. It was yeah. so personal. You see, when you live, when you're a minority yeah. of any kind, especially anyway, anything that happens to a person of color, a black person mm-hmm. in you the States, it. you leave that thing. It's it. personal. Yeah. yeah. And so when Barack,
1: It's not just them, it's us. It's, it's, an it's me. Experience. Right? Yeah. It's like yeah. like, oh man, don't do
0: some dumb shit. Or, yeah. or 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 yeah Barack is winning and now I'm a real human yeah. being in the world. Like yeah. you know um, so 2012, that election was contentious. Mm-hmm. You could see the underlying undertone of mm-hmm. some of the things we're experiencing right yeah. now. Anyway, when he won the second election, I was like, man, dude, when this girl leaves the White House, I'm out. Like, I need to be <laughs> When you go, I go. <laughs> I remember saying that to myself yeah. in my mind. So I guess the message there is being black in America is extremely hard.
1: It's it is, an experience, like it's a particular experience to be of a specific race in America. Yeah, I'm telling you, yeah? being black yeah. in America,
0: let's not make it, it is. Yeah, it is one of it is it is hard. And now, so for example, I'm in the Bay Area, and I can't see anybody who has an elevated position at a company mm. that I can feel comfortable reaching out to mm. and being like, "Hey, can we sit down and grab coffee, mentor me, and so on and so forth?" I could
1: not find any mentors, mm. none. So. Even within your working group? Like, it wasn't that kind of environment? Because I hear other people are able to do that. Well, I
0: I, I was bold enough to talk to my CEO and stuff like that. But there's a difference, man. I mean, there's a difference when somebody's going to look out for you or Mm. that you can feel comfortable. There's a certain, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, okay, for example, in your particular case, maybe, does it feel more comfortable if you have a a female senior person who you can go to? Do you feel more comfortable with them? Yeah, I
1: mean... It depends on how they are. But. <laughs> yeah, but it always depends on the person. It always depends on the environment. If the environment is not conducive for you to build that relationship, like the the female CEO, now has think about those boundaries. Right. Then it's not going to but happen. But think about it this way: yeah. you're in a
0: crowd. Yeah. And you know. Lot of dudes, ma- males. Oh
1: yes, of course. The female CEO, you just. That's what I'm saying. Them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just be like, yo, I need yeah. to connect with yeah. you. It's that thing. Yeah.
0: And it's 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 an unspoken yeah. inner inside recognition human thing mm. where you know birds of a feather kind of thing. Kind of flock together. Yeah. So so I, I uh, it was such a lonely experience, yeah. you know. And 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 you know you, you you make do. You people are cool. You have friends and so on and so. On, but still, it, it only goes so far. Mm. Um. And so, from a career building standpoint, it, it was at the same time. Let me let me. The, the, the Bay Area is one of the most meritocratic places. Yes, it right? is. Like, yeah. Don't get it twisted. If you're good, you yeah. win. Yeah. But at the same time, there's so sort of limits to which you can yeah. get to. So, what, do you feel
1: like there's a, a difference between the Bay Area and Silicon Valley, like the opportunities in the Bay Area outside of Silicon Valley versus Silicon Valley?
0: Actually, I've never never let me think about that and as a
1: black man in America
0: I, I don't know I think America is just one thing that behaves yeah. a certain way yeah. irrespective of the space I think okay. there's more opportunity in there's more I don't know man you'd have to ask other people who I, I just think that being in in Silicon Valley in the tech space there's more opportunity yeah. but at the same time it's limited by the reality of what America is okay. Right. you can only go so far yeah. right and yeah. if you can't see people who look like you who are anyway so mm. So uh, I was at the point where I was like, yeah, you know, I'm starting to ask myself this existential question. Mm -hmm. Is America, this is my whole story. (laughs) Is this it? Is this what all she wrote from a professional standpoint? And at the same time, I remember (laughs) I had taken a couple of runs at entrepreneurship. So I have a long history of entrepreneurship. Even when I was in high school at Mm -hmm. St. Mary's, I I inadvertently started a fashion brand Mm -hmm. because me and my friends would go out and we couldn't find clothes that we felt would represent us the way we wanted to look. So yeah. we started designing and getting them made wow. by tailors. And In America. In here, yeah, in Kenya, oh, is, in Kenya St. Mary's, so yeah, in, in high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started making our own things. The, f- the first things we made were freaking grotesque. They were, they were unseemly, to be honest. <laughs> they were <laughs> nasty looking suits and stuff like that. But we got better, yeah. and we found better tailors. Mm-hmm. And we went from, this was the boys to men era. People used to wear these coats. Coats and mm-hmm. shorts and it was just an interesting time. Mm-hmm. The oversized.
1: And, yeah, and, and, then, <laughs>
0: and then the streetwear came you know, in, in force and mm-hmm. we started making, I started kind of designing these things and making them big oversized jeans yeah. and, and I remember one time this kid uh, who was my who was in class with my best friend at, at USIU, I think, saw me out with this outfit that I had made <laughs> and, and he told my friend, "I want that outfit." Mm-hmm. Can your friend sell it to me? And I remember selling it for a hundred bucks, hundred dollars. Uh, and um, at the time, it was like, "Holy cow! What? What is this?" Anyway, so I started kind of designing clothes and selling to selling clothes to, yeah. to kids uh, at St. Mary's, and I will take orders and, and wow. go home to my a whole to business, out yeah. a business. Yeah. And I remember my mom was like, "Just focus on school. Stop wasting <laughs> your time with this stuff." And I was like, "You know what? There's gonna, something to this. I'm yeah? going to be the Tommy Hilfiger." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so kids would, would would ask for stuff and buy stuff. Yeah, so, um, and I would go after school. I would take the school bus all the way to South B because that's where my tailor was. South mm-hmm. B, is this neighborhood. I don't know if you know where it is. Mm-hmm. And I would get off the bus and go to the tailor and take my orders and take them back. And and it got to a point where I was hitting a, a, a production bottleneck. The tailor would not have the stuff finished when he said yeah. he would have finished. I have to go and tell this person. And I was like, man, I need, I need capital. Yeah. I need to scale this thing. I can see myself in an industrial area with a bunch of seamstresses all kind of lined up mm-hmm. and have this factory working, churning yeah. out these khaki outfits and stuff. I started dreaming. And then my friend was like, you know what? The same friend who actually helped me sell uh-huh. the first time. He was like, I have a friend, I have a classmate of mine, another one. her dad's got money. He can, he can maybe, let's go talk to him about capital. Yeah. <laughs>
1: This is your investment meeting, uh-huh. This was my angel investment <laughs> meeting, I remember very well. And this, yeah.
0: this home was in USIU, which is on Thicker Road. Yes. And I remember taking two matatus all the way there one morning, very serious, I'm ready to actually talk to this dad and be like, man, we're going to be... We go into this house, in this home, multiple cars, okay, clearly there's some signs of deep pockets here, mm-hmm. right? Um, And this goes back to the story of lack of capital. Yeah. I remember what I told you about? Yeah. So... <laughs> And I sit down in this kind of waiting breakfast area, they have this big house, and so on and so forth. And I'm just sitting down, my friend comes, and we're sitting and waiting and waiting. And the girl shows up, and I thought it would be this very kind of like, hey, how are you doing? Here's my dad, and so on, let's talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And she comes, she proceeds to sit next to my friend and starts kind of talking to him. And it dawned on me, I'm a third wheel. Oh my, my gosh, this
1: is not a, <laughs> not a business meeting. This is personal. I'm like, oh, I'm like my man, dude.
0: I remember I was like, so... Like, are we here for
1: business? <laughs> I was
0: so bummed, man. I remember walking home that day. But it but shows
1: you the focus. You know, like, so, some people in life have certain focuses. And your focus there was a business mindset. Dude. Like, we are here to close Why wow. deal. I
0: know. Yeah. Watching you guys talk to me? She's on a date.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm like yeah. wow i remember i was so bummed yeah and i i, I said i'm not gonna do this because if i can't do something at scale properly uh-huh. i'm not gonna do it you know mm-hmm. so that's when i was like i gave it up yeah and people started kind of taking those designs and making them i started seeing people kind of oh my you know gosh.
1: your brand was taken basically my style yeah. my yeah. whole yeah. thing yeah. And,
0: and some of my friends from high school tell you still tell me about that today you're the yeah. one who actually started this yeah and there was, anyway. So, where am I?
1: How did I get here? Okay, you're talking about how you've had a business mindset right. even from then, an entrepreneur. Totally. So now,
0: at one of the start-up, when I was working at one of the, between one of the startups I, I worked at in, in the Bay Area,
1: uh-huh.
0: I was like, you know what? I need to kind of do my own thing, right? Yeah. I need to build something. So what I knew how to do was I saw the, oh, this is when the undersea cable had hit Kenya. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, Kenya was being touted as the next business process outsourcing destination mm-hmm. because we have a very, you know, uh, affinity our cultural affinity to the west is yes. not that far yes. our accents can you know we can talk that talk mm-hmm. it's because it, india had been dominating that for a while they struggle with accents and so on and so forth mm-hmm. and so i was like man i've seen people build business a lot of companies that what you would call customer support or when you that all outsourced to india and there was this mm-hmm. backlash that was beginning to happen yes. people were not happy with that yeah. and so i was like i know kenya culturally we're on point we can, we can actually make this yeah. thing we have an advantage and even we can do a more higher value play uh-huh. beyond just customer support. Mm-hmm. We can actually do sales support. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like the work I had been doing when I was starting my career was what what you call a sales development rep, where mm-hmm. you basically scheduled meetings mm-hmm. for your senior uh, account executive. Mm-hmm. Your job was to get on the phone, send emails out, and co- talk to people that mm-hmm. say, hey, we're selling this technology, can you take a meeting with us and hear about it? So that was my job yeah. uh, early on in my career. Mm-hmm. So that's how you make it up to, this, to the top sales like, Enterprise account executive, that's kind of how you, you, you climb the ladder. That's mm-hmm. the path. So I understood that bit that play. And I was yeah. like, yeah, we could do that. Yeah. And, com- and at the time it was when the cloud, SaaS, software as a service move was beginning to happen. Mm-hmm. Software as a service had, had these e- economics that were very um, challenging to startups because you did not make your money for a long time. Mm. You see, the way you sold software before mm-hmm. was, you know, shrink-crap software, you basically sold a million-dollar deal mm-hmm. and you could, you know, you know, put that money in the bank and actually but software as a service people used it uh, piecemeal basically yes. right as yeah. you as you need it so to speak and mm-hmm. so you didn't have that million dollars that a million dollars was earned over maybe three time, four or five years so whatever considering it was.
1: your software is still applicable yeah yeah
0: exactly yeah. so it was a very different kind of environment it was challenging to companies in terms of how the, the economics of it all and mm-hmm. so they're looking for okay this as a service thing is putting pressure on the financials of startups. And I was like, that lines up very well with providing them outsourcing this sales development rep situation. Mm-hmm. So I got this domain, blueoceanleads.com. I remember I got this blueoceanleads and mm-hmm. I gave it up and somebody uses it right now. I should mm-hmm. have sold it for some money. But anyway, yeah. so I had blueoceanleads and I was like, I'm going to actually m- go down this path okay. of establishing a team here
1: mm-hmm. who can provide
0: sales support to to these startups that were struggling with, uh, you know, The financials of their sales process, because one of the most a team
1: based in Kenya.
0: Team based in Kenya,
1: supporting the U.S. startups startups. uh,
0: along this kind of higher value uh, uh, um, proposition, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so I actually hired five people here in Kenya. Mm -hmm. I started training them. Now here was a problem. Mm -hmm. I would be training them at night, right? I would you be, were based in the States I'm at based in time. the barrier. Area, okay. And I'm trying to get my first contract, my first deal during the day, wow. and I'm still trying to work a full-time job. And I just joined a new startup, yeah. And I was like, if I can get my first contact yeah. contract, yeah, we can start to actually make it work, mm-hmm. and it will be easier to get because you need that first reference customer, mm-hmm. and you need that first operational experience so people can start to learn, mm-hmm. and you need that first win, yeah. And we were so close to getting one. I remember talking to this one company and they send me a contract to review and so on. So I'm doing this thing at lunchtime, man. Wow. Right?
2: Yeah.
0: And I'm like, I just need to get this one. Unfortunately, it was going towards a Christmas break. Mm-hmm. And when when people broke for Christmas, when everybody came back the next, in January, yeah. the whole story had died. Like, I think mm-hmm. the guy who was bringing me into the company, the VP of sales had left or something like that. Yeah. Change of regime my whole thing and died and I was counting on that one. That was the one I had gotten closest. And I was mm. like, man, there's no way I'm able to do this. I'm kind of abbreviating this. I was paying these people out of pocket. Yeah. I was doing this thing in my it was like, man, okay. And
1: working full time.
0: And working full time. So yeah. it was just one of those things where you're like, it's not, it's not impossible. Mm. Right. If you don't have again capital. Capital. It's so important. Yeah. <laughs> it comes back to that one limiting factor. Yeah. At least for me. Yeah. It was it was always like, man, if I could have done this full time I would have I would have made it work. And yeah. um at least I think I would have. Anyway. So I had to let that go. Um, and then, and so fast forward into now, I'm at a point where I'm having this conversation with myself as to what's my future going to be about? Is mm-hmm. it going to be in America? Is mm-hmm. it now I'm in the process of actually buying a house um, much later on? Like, so this is between 2013, 20, 20, 14, 15, 16, mm-hmm. that window. And I'm starting to question myself like, what are you, 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 you have so much more to offer. Yeah. I've always wanted to be part of creating change or or doing something that moves the needle for human beings, yeah. right? And you've
1: been working within Silicon Valley for 10, 15 years? By now then? by
0: that time I'm I'm let's say by 2014, 15, I'm um, in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. I'm thir- thirteen years in at the uh-huh. time, right? Okay. And then anyway, so so I'm I'm asking myself these bigger existential questions, mm-hmm. right? Where's your future? Is it gonna be here? Mm-hmm. What are you gonna be doing? What is the thing that I can look back 10 years from now and say, I've been doing this uniquely? Yeah. That my yeah. finger thumbprint is on this thing. Yes. This is what I've been doing. What's my yes. TED talk?
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> your TED Talk,
0: you know. So um,
1: and where are your roots? And well? Where are my roots? What, yeah. what am I gonna be doing?
0: Mm-hmm. Right, and so feeling very bummed out about mm-hmm. what, what I was just feeling like you're underperforming. I remember having these sleepless nights and just being like, dude, like w- what are you doing? Like, yeah, you've got to you can make good money, yeah. you know, relatively speaking, yeah. um, and, but I need more. I, I need juice, right? Because mm. sometimes you work with people and you're like, man, some of these things that people worry about, you know, the politics, the, it's just not my thing. Mm. I'm not a politician. That's not my thing. Yeah. I'm authenticity, integrity, honesty, directness. Mm. That's how I operate, right? Mm-hmm. Why else are we doing anything else?
1: And you saw the positive side of Silicon Valley, but also the negative side yeah and it's not or, so much
0: just the good, yeah, yeah it's, it's
1: just the business world yeah, yeah this is just human yeah. being right mm-hmm. I mean
0: human beings have positive and negative yeah. and certain environments will exas- exacerbate that mm-hmm. or, or magnify those yeah. if you will so um, anyway so so here I am um, in 2017 I ended up leaving my last startup um, and saying okay what's the next what's the next thing right mm-hmm. um, and I I wanted to I went and interviewed at this one company that I was I admired. Um, mm-hmm. it's called Slack. And Slack was now you know, this new thing that was happening and mm-hmm. went through that interview process and
1: Slack is in the online chat form? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, they were actually
0: round the corner from I the,
1: use it all yeah, the time. Yeah. So uh-huh.
0: they're round the corner from uh, where the other startup I was uh-huh. working in, in SF.
1: And they had just started at the time. They, they had they were two yeah. three years in, okay. so it was
0: yeah. so you know, the the way it works in the Bay Area, yeah. you're always looking to angle for that up into the right company. The company right. that's about a path. it's okay. called the it company, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. in two thousand in the late two thousands mm-hmm. until two thousand ten, it was Salesforce, and even now, I mean, mm-hmm. Salesforce has had a long up into the right run. But if you got in at Salesforce in the late two thousands, yeah. that was the place to be. You could build a mm-hmm. career, you could create wealth. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The next play that I and I try to get into Salesforce. Didn't even get past the first, the second interview. Okay, right? and my coworkers who I worked with at Oracle were walking in, were getting those jobs. Yeah. Okay. This ties back to this narrative of the challenge of being of a certain race. In, yeah. In, in the, so I remember doing that at Salesforce, not getting that. Okay. Um, and now to that you could say, hey, you, you win some, you lose some, no big deal. Then the next, it company that I, I tried to get into was Amazon Web Services. Mm-hmm. And great interview process. It was a very interesting situation. All the people who were working at that company, at that office, had been airlifted from Oracle. And it was, it was a very interesting situation. Yeah. So there was this female sales leader mm-hmm. who had been uh, recruited from Oracle. Mm-hmm. And she she, <laughs> she brought all the female salespeople, who were not that many, at Oracle. Yeah. So when I got to Amazon, I was like, oh my god, this is kind of like a sorority. Yeah. <laughs> And and the guy who got me the interview was this other black guy who also, the only other black guy who were with at Oracle, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the only guys. And he had kind of got in there just, you know, maybe a year before. I was was like, hey, can you get me in? So he got me this interview, and I went through the interview process. And I remember the last interview was a video conference with this other person in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Person walks in late to the meeting. and it's the end of the day, she's harassed, she doesn't look like she's had a great day, mm-hmm. and she's just kind of doing this as a checkbox thing. Yeah. And it just didn't go well. Oh, right? wow. And I remember yeah. leaving that meeting, went, I remember leaving that and I'm just like, and even, she came in late, and we didn't finish the interview because the conference room she had booked, had another, had another in 15, 15, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was like, dude, I'm done. Right. That's you it. You didn't
1: get your. Right,
0: and yeah. so missed that one also. And I was like, man, dude, like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: anyway, the third, the third one was Slack. Mm-hmm. And these are all the eight companies you're trying to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and went through the whole process, did an awesome, this is interesting, I actually started tweeting with the CEO of Slack, <laughs> right? And the first tweet I sent to him was like, hey, dude, I'm, I like what you guys are doing. How do I get an interview at your company? Mm-hmm. And he, he, he comes back to me and says, the first thing, if you're, if you if you're a great salesperson, it's to know how to get an interview. And then there's yeah. a winky kind of thing, he's uh-huh. a really cool dude, uh, Stuart Butterfield. Amazing guy. Um, and so I was like, okay, that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. So I worked my network, got another interview through another black engineer at... Because <laughs> I, I was part of this, this uh, black, black in tech kind of yeah. Slack group, actually. Yeah. I think it's a Slack group, yeah. And I asked, hey, who, who who works at Slack? Who can get me an interview? Because that's how that's how you get jobs. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. people will help you get your resume on top of the pile, and that's mm-hmm. just a process everywhere yeah. in the world. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I um I went through this interview process, and the interesting thing is the two guys I was interviewing with were former Salesforce alumni. Mm-hmm. Two two guys who were are Salesforce. I remember when I not yeah, Salesforce, I remember when I walked onto the Salesforce floor, I didn't talk about this mm-hmm. for my interview with Salesforce back in 2010. I remember walking onto the floor and I was like, oh my god, am I in Utah?
1: Mm-hmm. I'm, you
0: know, like everybody looked the same. Yeah. I almost felt like I was intruding yeah. in Do a. Out.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was like,
0: man, I'm messed up. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> like, I was, I I'm apologize. not supposed to be here. I, didn't get the memo. I totally felt, <laughs> I remember that feeling. A cold tingling yeah. down my spine. I'd yeah. never, seen, all of them had blue shirts and it was just weird, mm-hmm. and all dudes. It was just like shit, man. This is weird, and <laughs> so so that was that was kind of stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And then I remember these these two guys, the VP of sales, head of sales, and his guy who was hiring for this ter- territory rep in New York. And I was like, yeah, maybe moving to New York would be a Cool thing, mm-hmm. you know. I haven't lived in New York, and you know, uh, working in Slack, I, you know, I could I could probably do a bi-coastal thing, whatever. And we checked with them, and they're like, yeah, that's possible. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Anyway, long story short is I went, I gave it my best, and I remember that when they, <laughs> when the recruiter asked me, hey, get some references for us, mm-hmm. you know, and when you get references, it's at the point where it's a shoe in. Yeah, right? we know it this is, is this yeah. is good, mm-hmm. and. Then she goes cold for a couple of days, three days, and I'm like, okay, what's the deal? And I finally get her on a call, um, because I'm like, hey, listen, I need to know, because this other company wants to... I kind of called her bluff. Yeah. And she gets on the call, and she's like, yeah, you know, like they, I, they decided to go in a different direction. I can't even believe why they did this. It was almost like a surprise to her. I was yeah. like, man, dude, like, what does it take to win here? At least one out of three. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know what the odds are, but... You know, I remember really starting to say, man, this is too limiting, mm. right? Uh, and anyway, so I, I thought I would actually start a Slack consulting company, mm-hmm. <laughs> so a consulting business. Spent two months um, developing a go-to-market plan for that. Mm-hmm. and. In, contact with, in the contact with the CEO, I remember re- reaching out to him. I wouldn't bother him all the time, but I remember reaching out to him and saying, hey, I'm working on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? Of, is, there a, is there a market opportunity to help to be a, S- a Slack implementer or consultant because people are absorbing it into their companies and they need to know how to optimize it and mm-hmm. how to integrate it and yeah. how to train and so on and so forth. It's like, yeah, it, it's, there's a significant opportunity, but it'll take some time. It'll take yeah. maybe two to three years before we can define what that is and, and so on and so forth. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I realized that that's not a play. Yeah. And so I said, you know what? Let me actually go and do some traveling. Mm-hmm. Right. I took off on to uh, Take a break. Uh, yeah, I was cause I you know you always want to do things but you never end up doing them. Yeah. So I went to Montreal because I always wanted to go to Montreal and, and uh just to see this just a position of French and English speaking. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was a very interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Uh very nice people, man. Mm-hmm. And coming from the barrier where everybody kind of measures first of all whether you're worth talking to based yeah. on where you went to school and where you work. Mm-hmm. And People were nice, yeah. to the point where I was like, what, what do you want? What's wrong with What's you? What's up? And I was like, yo, you're the one who's weird. Yeah. <laughs> so I was in Montreal, and then I took off to Colombia, because Colombia is one of those places I was like, yeah, man, I gotta go check out Colombia. Yeah. that was an experience. It was awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had a great time in Colombia. And I used to go to Mexico. There's a, there's a year where I used to go to Mexico.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Every, I almost, I went to Mexico one year, five times. The Reason was, is? Is because I needed to get a from America. Okay. The pressure. Yeah. Or I was just like, I'm, I, I need to relax. Yeah. I need to go to a place where people are not high strung. Yes. Where I don't feel like every time I leave the house, I gotta put my armor on yes. and be checking for who's trying yeah. to like. It, it was
1: messing with my mind. Yeah.
0: And I remember even at that startup, I, I asked my, I had proposed that, can I work remotely from Mexico for a while? Mm-hmm. It was that bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was so weird. And so anyway, so I guess I was kind of coming to the end of my rope, if you will, in, in, yeah. that, in, in the U.S. So I we took a I took a trip down to, to Nairobi, family trip. Uh, my kids, um, I haven't talked about my kids, but my, my kids when they were born, we made the decision, my ex-wife and I, that they would come to Kenya for mm, for, for education. For, for education at some point. Okay. To give them that expanded yeah. worldview. Yeah. And um, So they
1: were in the States for like nursery, etc. then moved to Yeah, to they Kenya? were in the States
0: until until they were ten. Mm-hmm. Nine and ten years old, mm-hmm. and that was the time we we're like, Oh man, we and many times we were, we we're thinking, When is the right time to take them? at yeah. six, seven, you know. No, you know, so anyway, I when that time 2017, we, we took a trip to kind of look at, at schools, identified a school, and during that trip, that's when I saw this problem, mm-hmm. which was the lack of support for and, and, and capital mm-hmm. for entrepreneurs. Yeah, uh, I, I came across this investment opportunity where this, invest, where this entrepreneur had built this company this business, mm-hmm. and he was he was growing a fish cage farming business oh, very incrementally. Mm-hmm. So he had proven the model, he had a, a bunch of fish cages, and basically for him to grow to the to the next marginal fish cage, he would come and have to talk to you as an investor. Mm-hmm. Put $1,800, 180,000 shillings into yeah. this, mm-hmm. and in nine months, I'll give you 2700 back, or mm-hmm. you can reinvest the money back into another that type of thing. I was like, wow, this, this is a very interesting thing, did my due diligence, whatever. And it blew my mind. Because in the Bay Area, once you prove a model, yeah. you'll get half a million, a million dollars to go and that's, 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 that's how you how do things. You do things. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, we're never going to have economic development at mm-hmm. this pace. How? We've got this demographic dividend, young people, yeah. unemployment Small is businesses. crazy. Small yeah. businesses. Are, I'm mm-hmm. like, this is crazy. Like, yeah. So I started, in that time, I made the decision that I'll move back. I'll move back with a tech company and kind of help them expand and then find my way into whatever I was going to do. But I, I, couldn't get my, I couldn't get my mind off of this opportunity and this problem. Mm-hmm. Right? And I was like, this is a big challenge. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a social, economic, political upheaval situation if we cannot deploy this you know, productively provide employment for this young population. Mm-hmm. Why, why are we talking about demographic living if we can't have economic growth? What are we doing? Yeah. And so for me, it was sure. like, how do you solve this problem? So I started investigating and doing my research. Who's deploying capital? Mm -hmm. What type of funding is available? Mm -hmm. Because I I was used to this Bay Area kind of world, Silicon Valley, right? And so, when I started looking at that, I was like, oh my God, people again, looked a certain way, right? The people who were in private equity, um, private equity was kind of the most mature uh, asset class here. There was, I think, one VC fund, and I started saying, okay, mate, this is an opportunity, we gotta go in and start to to, uh, fix this problem, and so, as like, it just sucked me in completely yeah. because it was one of those things where I was like, I understand You're startups. All consumed. With yeah, them. I was just I started doing my research. I started mm-hmm. talking to entrepreneurs here. Mm-hmm. That was August twenty seventeen. In October, I took a trip here for five days, mm-hmm. and in five days, I spoke to twenty entrepreneurs, even wow. in this building. I remember right, uh-huh. like because I was trying to do my research to yeah. understand the nature of the problem and what would be the potential solution. Mm. Um, anyway, I um, went back to the states. I met with a couple of people. I said, "Hey, maybe we can form a team to put a, a VC fund team together, put a pitch deck together, a thesis together, and start to pitch the uh, development financial institutions because they had, they, had they had started they had started looking at venture capital as mm-hmm. a play. So the way the, the financial market works or the asset class market works, you have private equity. They invest in ten million dollars and up. Mm-hmm. Right, that's where they deploy capital. They had had a field day in Africa for ten years, mm-hmm. but." Uh, the the pipeline was drying because there was not enough pipeline of companies growing to where, right? So there was a problem. And now they're looking at venture. Venture is much more early stage companies, mm-hmm. all the way from seed to series C D whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, all the way from, I don't know, in our market, seed could be 200, 300, 400, 500K, or angel. Angel is even less than that. But anyway, much earlier stage investing. And so... Yeah. I was looking to see who's doing that here and where's that money going and it became, when I uncovered that kimono, I realized that, oh my God, this is much more of an emergency than I thought. Mm. Everybody who was building anything who had been invested in was white. And I was like, you've got to be, what's happening right now? Because in my view, I was like, I was in this world where I had a limit to what I could do and I could track that back to the lack of, people who look like me. Who like would, diversity. Yeah. yeah. And I'm looking over the fence. And it's and, the same thing. And we're losing the digital scramble for Africa. You've got to be kidding me. How is this so happening? So you're
1: saying that US investors, or investors in general, would invest in people who are white. Yes. because, because, because in Kenya. Yeah. Because those
0: people, it's a trust factor. Yeah. It's a comfortability factor. Mm. I can't hate on that. I mean, yeah. I mean, we need diversity and you need to actually open your aperture and yeah. don't be in your comfort zone the whole time. Yeah. But that's human nature in a very real sense. There's
1: trust, there's stereotypes, there's, you know, pattern recognition, all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. You know,
0: Village Capital wrote wrote a report on this, how 90% of all the FinTech uh, investments in East Africa in 2015 and 16, 90% or 85% of them went to expert-led companies. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no way, this is is crazy. This is the biggest opportunity Africa has had in I don't know how long, and we're not participating. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, man, this is an emergency. I need to jump into this and figure out how I can be of help. How to make a change. Yeah. And anyway, so I so I started saying, OK, how would we put together a fund? We started talking to a couple of people here, locally put together a team, and started talking to these DFIs, mm-hmm. Development Financial Institutions, mm-hmm. uh, World Bank, IFC, Uh, CDC in the UK, um, Propaco in France Mm -hmm. and started talking to these people and I said okay I'm gonna sequence this process Mm -hmm. to where the first thing is to understand the problem, develop a thesis, put together a a team on a deck Mm -hmm. and a thesis and so on and so forth, present that to them, start talking to them, so there was this kind of sequence and I was like June 2018, that's where I'm drawing the line, right? Mm -hmm. 2018, yeah. So this is starting from 2017 and in January Uh, So that was from August to December. I made that trip, put the deck together, put the team together. December holidays, this was actually... There was so much that happened between... I'm just abbreviating right now. Yeah. This was one of the... This has been the most... Difficult thing I've ever done. Yeah. I remember one time some newspaper guy uh, got wind of what I was working on and he published a story i embellished it in one of the local newspapers and said, I have invested wow. in some local companies. Oh my and I remember waking up at night, getting a WhatsApp message from an uncle of mine, mm. and I see my face in the newspaper. And I've just started this journey. This is in oh no- November. And I'm like, yo, man, like, what's happening? So I reached out to the entrepreneurs who I suppose who had been named and I mm-hmm. said, hey, guys. This is coming, this is not my this is not this true, is false. this yeah. Yeah. And, and and the whole ecosystem. So there's this WhatsApp group mm-hmm. that you know people in the ecosystem kind of uh they are in this WhatsApp group, mm-hmm. and people came for me like crazy. And it's interesting yeah. because I'd had conversations with some of these people, yeah. and people are trying to, to if this they didn't even know me, mm-hmm. right? but there were some people who wrote for me, mm-hmm. right? So some people came through and were like, look, what this guy is doing is real. I've mm-hmm. met with him, blah, 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 blah. But it was just that initial kind of furor. Yeah. And then in 24 hours it died, but it had a massive impact on me. Because it was because the false, you know you have this sense of what's it called imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. and now your people are coming for you like like you're just, you know? No, they,
1: they don't know the story, they, they don't know the background. They don't know
0: the background, and here I am putting myself on the line yeah. And that was really hard.
1: Yeah, and it was for your passion. It wasn't like this is part of your job or this is part of, you know what I mean? This was like part of your passion. You're going out of your way to do this, and then this is one of the repercussions. And, and,
0: and to, yeah. to kind of stand in
1: the gap yeah.
0: with them mm-hmm. to write what they have been complaining about. Because mm-hmm. everybody's been complaining about how local fa- founders are not getting funded. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, this is what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was, I guess, that's what that happened. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, I guess I'm just telling you that to let you know that this yeah. been this journey it's has been, been a long, crazy. Yeah. So anyway, in, in January of the next, that 2018, I mm-hmm. took a trip to meet with these DFIs because mm-hmm. first it was phone conversations. Now let's meet them in person. Okay. And uh, just to see, okay, how far are we from where you are and where I am mm-hmm. in terms of are you gonna fund us or am I crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> where
1: are we going with this? yeah. And
0: um, it was very clear that yeah, they're not gonna give you any money. Yeah. So you know, figure something else out. Yeah. Um, and so, that, that same trip, I spent a month in Nairobi to mm-hmm. make the decision, mm-hmm. and it was a loud and clear, man. It's now or never. And I remember sitting down with somebody, another one of these DFI, one of, these, uh, one of the guys I'd been talking to for these financial institutions, mm-hmm. and we had, a, we, we had more of a connection, because he was also from a, from a developing country, mm-hmm. and he, even though he worked in D.C. And I remember talking to him, heart-to-heart conversation. I'm like, listen, this is where I'm at. And he was in the same place in his life where I am, yeah. where we were, right? In mm-hmm. terms of, he's, he's, he was also struggling with his idea of, am I going to stay in America? Or am I going to move back home? What's my story, too? Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think I, sh- I should do, right? Yeah. Like, he was like, man, you'll either do it now or you'll never do it. And so I'll never think, forget yeah. that. The interesting thing is, through that connection, uh-huh. we, have, now we are going to now, we are on a path to launching uh, A technical institute for AI and machine learning through a connection that he made Mm -hmm. (laughs) this life is interesting so we're on our way, anyway um, I haven't even talked about what we do, this is my story and I know we're kind (laughs) of
1: like over time. Yeah. But, it, but it's okay. I mean, really, it's really interesting to see how your entrepreneurial journey and how your journey in Silicon Valley has influenced my thought how, process, your thought yeah. process, how passionate you are, and your reason and rationale for going into this um, sphere of work. Right. Yeah. So, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Impact Africa and, and yeah. the fund and, and why it's so important to, to you me, and yeah. how it started? So, the
0: way I look at it, the, if I was to paint my 2035 vision, I have been exposed to the power of technology, mm. the speed and the uh, total ability to transform how people live. Most of us don't understand that. Yeah. If you look at, I'll give you an example, mm-hmm. too, in this market that people have experienced. M Pesa has changed totally. Even family relationships. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, and, and sometimes you look at technology, I've transferred money, but we yeah. don't understand the social impact mm-hmm. or the, 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 second or third order consequences of that in terms of how human beings relate and organize and the choices they have and the lived experience Mm -hmm. and how it's killed some other things or made other things possible.
1: Yeah, or made certain things easier to do. Right, right. Maybe it's even
0: helped, I don't know, I'll go out on limb, maybe it's even helped some, you know... uh, family relationships be better because yeah. people can send money faster i don't know yeah. you yeah. never
1: know the impact you the never social know. impact cuz nobody's
0: really measured yeah. that in some empirical very way true. Yeah. but technology is not a tool is a tool that yeah. changes how human beings live mm-hmm. and the options they have yeah. now here's where i'm going with that. now if you look at the other one is this betting thing mm-hmm. this the, i don't know if you know that there's a big betting craze mm-hmm. sports betting okay Okay, sports betting is not just a thing people do; it impacts their choices in life. Yes, and it can take them down paths that can be very problematic, right? Yes. In terms of addiction and yes. so on and so forth. And yeah. So sports betting is not an isolated, you know, it, it, what's the word? It's uh, what's the word when a cancerous cell is not bad for you? What's the
1: um, word what I'm looking
0: for? Benign. Benign. It's not, it's yes, not a benign, benign thing that just all yes. oh, people are sports betting. It yes. has Consequences on human psyche, relationships, yeah. choices, options, life, uh-huh. right? Society. And when you scale that in society, you mm-hmm. have a certain kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The other one is this microloans, mobile loans. Yes. Okay. We are now dealing with the mm-hmm. second and third order consequences of technology. Yeah. Those are the negative sides and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. There's also a positive side to the ledger. Mm-hmm. And We've seen how you know, Facebook has influenced the elections and all right. that mess that the tech bro mindset has, has, has wrought on, on, the, on the tech world. Yeah. Um, as we move into the next 10 years, we have a bunch of new technologies coming online right mm-hmm. now. We have blockchain and cryptocurrencies and, and uh, we have artificial intelligence, machine learning, and all that. Mm-hmm. We have AR, VR, virtual reality, as, as augmented reality. What are these things going to mean? First of all, we know. That they're going to change the landscape just from a business standpoint. Yes, the businesses that exist today will be disrupted. A lot of them. Yeah, industries will be transformed. New ones will be created. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, one of the most highest the, the most highest rated authorities in technology in, in the in the AI uh, machine learning space mm-hmm. is this gentleman called Kai Fu Lee who. Uh, I mean, he's an investor right now, but has a long history in technology. He has a PhD in machine learning, and he worked at Google, took Google to uh, China, and now he's an investor in some of the most amazing companies out of that market. So he understands AI deeply because mm-hmm. he's been investing in it for the last 10 years. And he says, this market, this wave is going to create $15 trillion, wow. and it's going to completely change how human beings organize themselves in relationship to work. Mm-hmm. Okay, So I'm like, okay, $15 trillion dollars. How much of that can we get? Yes. Right? And so, but beyond that, what does it actually mean in terms of how a society social, economically, and politically organizes? Mm-hmm. Because if blockchain has anything to do, it becomes a thing, mm-hmm. it means that corruption can be stemmed. Yeah. It means that some certain industries can be undercut. Mm-hmm. It means some of the assumptions that we have as cartels, mm-hmm. you know, who corner a certain you know supply chain can be eliminated yeah. and ai can actually eliminate Graft like corruption because yeah. it can identify it, right? Mm-hmm. Very true. And so we are moving into a world where the assumptions that we have right now, or yeah. how we think about the world, mm-hmm. is not going to look the same way. Yeah. For mm-hmm. me, I see this as an opportunity. It's a, it, and the other thing that we have is a digitally native demographic dividend, mm-hmm. a young population that's born on the mobile internet, exactly. blah blah blah. They're comfortable with technology. Yeah.
1: And Africa has, you know, the highest growing youngest population exactly. in the world. Yeah.
0: The demographic yeah. dividend in Africa. So we've mm-hmm. got new tech Mm we've got demographic dividend Mm. to me that is a wedge moment yeah that is a moment where if you can capture the opportunity because you have an economic engine that can provide people with the ability to control their own destiny. Yes. You see the reason why Africa still struggles with mm-hmm. corruption mm-hmm. is because there are not too many alternative narratives of how people can create their life. Yes. There are mm-hmm. not too many mm-hmm. other robust it's, it's industries.
1: The same narrative given, yeah. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. have
0: to be co-opted into this hegemony yeah. of yes. corruption and, mm-hmm. you know, what I call Bonam Kuboism mm-hmm. and, you know, you just gotta toe the line and yeah. kind of join the you know, Without, hog line, yeah. you know,
1: right? Don't speak, don't say yeah. anything. Just, just, continue. just join Come us and yeah. be
0: as corrupt as we are. And we yeah. say, this is—you always hear this is how things. This done. is not how the, oh, You've heard yeah. that one, right? I hate that Oh <laughs> my <laughs> God, it's like a
1: like, <laughs> overused. This is not
0: how things are done here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mediocrity is how things are done here. So, Jesus. And so, the, the, people don't. So, so fundamentally, what we have is a young population that has access to a massive opportunity. Yeah. That's why I'm here because I guarantee I, I have seen how a company can come out of nowhere in ten years that they are dictating things impact. you know yeah. what I mean yeah. like <laughs> you know yeah. so why can so for me I see it as as two, two things understand mm-hmm. the economic potential for people to build things mm-hmm. and undercut or disrupt industries is in is there mm-hmm. that means that this idea that I have been doing like you know we have we we don't see change in Africa fast yeah things things take a long time it does the person who's been in that position will be there forever yeah so you need to kind of listen to them uh, pay homage if you will earn your stripes as one you know ecosystem actor told me Mm -hmm. you you gotta earn your stripes Mm -hmm. I'm like can you imagine if let me give not the best example but can you imagine if when Mark Zuckerberg showed yeah, up in Silicon to Valley say, in 2004, said, let
1: me earn my stripes and, and not go out and venture into this destroy the world. amazing <laughs> social media platform that has changed the world, the way we receive news, everything. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. If, 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 if you just it? said, let me, oh, let me patent it and give it to somebody else, like, you know what I mean? It's just
0: crazy. Yeah. That we we'll would be living in villages, yes, too, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> It's so crazy. Yeah. So so I come from that world view like yeah. this is a thing that people don't even yeah. the smartest people will tell you right now that we don't know the applications that are going to be built with mm. these things. We don't know. Mm. We're guessing at best, yeah. but we know it's going to be different. Yeah. So for me the way I see it is young population with the with with access to the mechanics to the to, the, to I guess the factors of production, yeah. like never before in history. You yeah. don't need massive capital to build things. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You need capital, but mm-hmm. it's, it's accessible. Yeah. And then the older generation doesn't know about it. Mm-hmm. It's clueless. Mm-hmm. Plus, they're getting older. So, mm-hmm. if you project this 10 years out, the natural order of things will play out. Yeah. The goal, the, what we need to capture, what this provides is a path to create an, alternate, an alternative narrative for financial independence to control your destiny. Mm-hmm. Right? Without... Yeah kowtowing to the big government, yeah. you know, corrupt machinery, mm. right? Tenderpreneurship and all this crazy weird stuff that is just got us on a chokehold. Yeah. The, the tech is, is, is amazing because of the it gap is. between you and opportunity. Exactly. And and opportunity in the sense that both accessing it and mm-hmm. driving it forward because there's no other sector mm-hmm. where you can build something in 10 years that's a billion dollar thing. Mm-hmm. That's what MPESA pesa is, yeah. right? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and it's not the end of the story. History is mm, not over. And who
1: thought? That, that's a beautiful thing about tech. You don't know. You really don't know when you venture into something how far it will go. Yeah. And it could be absolutely amazing and it could fail, but it could be absolutely amazing. What I'm telling yeah. you is,
0: like in, in the Bay Area, yeah. here's how people, there's opportunity everywhere. Yeah. People reach out to you if you're, if you're good at your job and yeah. you have a career and so on and so forth. There's opportunity everywhere. Mm. That's what we need to. But you're not
1: limited. Your mindset is not limited. And, oh, yeah. that's a big one. Yeah. The
0: limitation of mindset yeah. that is holding us back mm. because of this legacy of things moving slowly and having to get permission and yes. having to be co-opted. Follow as well as so.
1: through the normal policies or pathways or. That yeah. mindset is pernicious. Yeah. The other mindset
0: challenge is, is people need to understand that. Tech businesses are built differently. Yes. They are a talent game, and you gotta buy talent and you gotta buy market share, Mm -hmm. right? So that means you have to be open to not you just eating the whole pie by yourself. Yes, which You're, is a
1: common thing. You yeah, know, I started it, I want to end it with it's, me. It's me, this is my idea.
0: Yeah, you'll die with your idea going Yeah, forward, right? You need to collaborate. you will
1: sp- never grow, you yeah. Need yeah.
0: You need to yeah. collaborate with people smarter than you. Yes. You need to get investors. Listen. Right, potentially you know? who, who, yeah. who. This is a collaborative game, mm-hmm. period, right? Yeah. So, Impact Africa Network, I guess, mm-hmm. to kind of come back to that, is Yes. we are, uh, what we are is the first step towards making this a reality. Because if you cannot take the first step, Mm -hmm. then forget about it, Mm -hmm. right? And so what we are is is an Ecosystem Catalytic Startup Studio. Mm -hmm. What that means is that, I guess, how do I describe this? So if you look at this, we have an abundance of young talent. Yes. We have an abundance of potential opportunity. Mm -hmm. But to go from this young talent to access this opportunity, they need something to channel that. Mm -hmm. So people come out of school and maybe they've tried to build a couple of things with the little experience they have, and a lot of energy goes into doing the wrong things in terms of trying to work on ideas. Mm -hmm. The sequencing of how to think about building and commercializing a technology is (laughs) it's <laughs> not obvious to people, yeah, right? And that's why Silicon Valley is successful because it perfected that. Mm-hmm. And even some of the people who start companies in Silicon Valley still need to be trained by those who've been before. It's a big problem, especially for technical people. They yeah. tend to think, if I build a thing, they will come. Mm-hmm. It's not true. So yeah. there's a lot of things that get built and shelved. A ton. Of, most things get built and shelved mm-hmm. because they haven't thought of the second, order, third, second third order process. Mm-hmm. That is experience. That is skills. That is a mindset shift. So what we provide, and one of the most pernicious things is To learn anything, you have to spend time doing it, right? You have to put yourself in that environment. Mm -hmm. But in Africa, young people, there is no runway. There is no room. There is no space. When you graduate, you need to get a job and start to kind of living your life, right? Mm -hmm. So young people don't have that space of time To try something really without worrying about an existential kind of like safety net situation You need this time for your mind to focus on something for a long enough period of time Mm -hmm. to start to see to learn Be creative see around the corners that type of thing. So what we provide is um, a year internship Mm-hmm. for emerging college graduates mm-hmm. to work on projects mm-hmm. that have been vetted through a process where those projects have the potential to become a real thing. Wow. Right? Yeah. Where, and
1: vetted by your
0: team. Vetted okay. by, by, by our team, by experienced people. right? Okay. Let's work on this, not this. Yes. Right? Yeah. So it's about optimization for yeah. growth. Mm-hmm. And so these young people can come into an environment where they can work with like-minded people on projects. It's not about your idea. Yeah. It's about execution. execution right? Yeah. And so we have a process and a structure mm-hmm. and a disciplined thought, you know, where we do things. Mm-hmm. And and, and that's, that's what is needed. Mm-hmm. Because you have that. There is no way. Human beings are capable of amazing things, yeah, right? And so we need that year mm-hmm. where people can actually be exposed to that new way of doing, developing the skills. The benefits that these people get, number mm-hmm. one, is you get just uh, work skills, Mm -hmm. right? In in, in a modern kind of environment that's thinking in a different way. So you develop the skills of work because when you're coming out of school, most people don't have the work skills, right? The other thing you get is startup Building skills: mm-hmm. how to think about ideas and vet them properly, how yeah. to interrogate your assumptions, and how to the sequencing of that process. Mm-hmm. So startup building skills, even legal: how to think about the legal, uh, you know, regulatory landscape. Mm-hmm. How to think through around systemically. Yeah. Right. The other thing that you get is, you know, even if you take twelve months and the projects you guys are working on don't become a thing, mm-hmm. you have marketable to, to the to the job market because mm-hmm. you have been part of Impact Africa, work this amazing lab that's you know, taught you the things that now we don't need to teach you. So you'll yeah. be very attractive to startups and, and, and companies.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and so you, you can improve your marketability because mm-hmm. now you have something on your resume that says, wow, this person's been, you know what I mean? You're different from any, other, exactly. any of your peers yeah. who may have not had that experience. Mm-hmm. The fourth thing, you have the opportunity to actually be part of founding a company. Right? So that's kind of like what's missing in my view. And we are learning
1: those managerial skills, learning the, you know what I mean? Even just the skills of like, um Time management and you know what I mean, project scheduling, project management, basics, and this and that. Yes, the basics, the basics, which are not really okay. It's explained to you if you do a business course, of course, you're going to learn it, but there's something so valuable about learning it on the day to day. On the job, yeah,
0: there is nothing, yeah, you, don't, you only learn by doing, yeah, that's the best learning you can do. Very you, true. Need. And so, we are a non profit, grant funded, philanthropically funded entity mm-hmm. um, because there's no business model that fits this, what we need to do, yeah. and so. Uh, we are targeting kind of like... Our uh, supporters come from the global uh, tech community, founders who've you know, experienced success in their life. You know People who actually had success always want to give back. Yeah. And they understand the value of supporting entrepreneurship. And, mm-hmm. and so, so that's one of our audiences. But anybody who, who sees value in terms of enabling the young talent in Africa to mm-hmm. have a shot at the yeah. digital transformation of Africa, yeah. not as just consumers, but mm-hmm. as creators and owners of it, mm-hmm. that is one of the biggest opportunities for transformation we have right yeah. now. And so that's what Impact Africa Network does. So basically, you can think about us almost as extended education, yeah. but in a very practical, real-world sense. Mm. The work we do creates investable startups, Great. right? Yeah. In, in, that's kind of the mm. outcome. It, and,
1: and from the person who started off as an intern is idea. It's from their it, it, idea? The idea, the way ideas come
0: from, that okay. doesn't matter. Okay. In fact, most of the great ideas will come from, some of the ideas we'll be working on will come from us, from oh, me, wow. from others. Yeah. Where the idea comes from doesn't matter,
1: right? Mm-hmm. It's
0: about the execution of the idea. Exactly. And I try and tell people that a lot because ideas always change. Yeah. It's, it's never true. The, right? They transform. So what, yeah. It's not. It, mm-hmm. we, here's what I made a decision. Because <laughs> I started working with people who had already started something and I realized they still have this mindset it's very difficult for them to square with the idea that okay you can support them to build a thing because again it's that small pie mindset and yes. so, on and so forth. I was like you know I don't want to work with people who think their ideas are great exactly i want to work on projects that we can create yes. and so it's about talent pipelining it into a, into an environment and a process and a structure mm. it's not about ideas ideas are dime a dozen it's about the execution and so ideas can come from anywhere and everywhere. And we know they will change. Yeah. It is the value here is in the talent and in the environment, and in the process, and in the, that's, that's the thing. So what we push out on the other end,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, much better equipped. We, what we're looking to do is scale entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. capacity, mm-hmm. and mindset change at the, at the people level. Yes. On the other side of that is investable projects that become investable startups. Okay. And so we have a process for how we, how we define that. Um, How
1: many years have you been operational?
0: This is our first year uh, and we have our first cohort of of, uh, interns. Mm -hmm. We are working on startup number one and startup number one is Impact Africa Network, the studio. And so they're learning that whole that whole process of how to stand up an entity mm-hmm. and you can hear from them and kind of you know everything that we do they're fully involved and immersed right yeah. all the way from creating events that we host mm. all the way from creating the marketing uh, material building our website mm. we have six interns right now two of them come from a technical background one is more of a product oriented guy so he helps us with our crm integrations into our Uh, marketing kind of uh, solutions that we use Mm. at the same time he's heavily involved in, in our fundraising campaign uh, we have a gentleman who who, who does um, digital marketing for us, mm-hmm. builds our decks, amazing talent wow. in terms of how to, to to take graphics and create a narrative. We mm-hmm. work very collaborative together to tell a visual story, mm-hmm. and he can tell you how he has learnt the idea that it's not just about the images, it's about the story that you can tell with those mm-hmm. images. Yeah. Um, we have another gentleman who's self-taught PHP developer. Um, and he's working on our website we'll be revamping our website and I've we been working with him on that for the last maybe which four, looks months. great by the way that's yeah. you haven't seen nothing yeah, yet I no, yeah I'm just
1: saying what I've seen so far <laughs> is amazing like, I can't wait to see the progress man yeah. I'm so excited about this and new the thing that I love about it is young passionate Africans it's awesome it's amazing to, dream, to make them understand that your dream or your whatever passion you have can become a reality as long as you put in the hard work the effort you understand the way that things flow the way that things are Done, you know, yeah. And learn learning. It's it's so important to learn. It's amazing. And right. internships are so valuable. Like right. I really do right. believe. And yeah, that. we
0: need to we need internships in the modern world. Yes. Right. It's not yeah. internships in kind of like not
1: in the traditional sense, but right. in sort of understanding Creating that it can things. be innovative. Your right. internship can include a, a variety of aspects. It doesn't have totally. to just be one specific sector. Totally. Or one specific focus. Yeah, or yeah. job or role exactly. or whatever. So
0: they're exposed yeah. to all kinds of things. I mean they're yeah. he- we're heavy right now fundraising. Yeah. You know, I've taught them all I know I'm teaching Grace. them all I know about outreach through email and communications mm. and, and and how to put a how to put a narrative together yeah. it's just totally immersive process wow. um, like I said we' we're, we're, the second project that we're going to be working on or the first outside impact African Network, okay. this, the studio we have a couple of pipelined ideas that we have mm-hmm. and one of them that we're very very excited about is this training institute that we will we'll, you'll be hearing about it soon yeah. machine learning artificial intelligence Great. Uh, we're, we're working with a with a US company to actually bring it to market here. Look, we're about building successful companies. Yeah. we're about we're about pragmatic. Yeah, we want to we want to take control of the narrative. And we, you
1: think big. You think yeah. big. That's the thing. That's the beauty of of uh, Silicon Valley and Silicon Savannah. You think big. It's yeah. not limited. Yeah, let me tell you something. Yeah.
0: There's some people over here who uh, I've gotten skeptics. You know, people saying, Yeah, you know, he'll learn his way here mm-hmm. in the market. That's not how we do things here.
1: Yeah.
0: And you know what? I have a habit of winning.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I have a habit of winning. So, you know, uh, bet on yourself, don't mm-hmm. bet against me because yeah. that's a wasted bet. <laughs> Let me tell you the I truth. like that. <laughs> Let me tell you the truth, yeah. man. Because, you know, I've I, I put my, you know, I've, I've, I've invested. Easily four hundred thousand dollars into this two mm-hmm. years of my life mm-hmm. because why you know people always ask you why did you leave America yeah. well America was killing me to be honest with you in mm-hmm. a very real sense I could have I could have coasted I was buying a house I had to, I walked away. I was buying you a, could have
1: had a comfortable life that
0: exactly you could
1: have but would you have a comfortable life with a passion that you enjoy
0: and something and, that you can you can you can you can contribute yes. to changing the future yes. right how I can't imagine doing anything more than Spending my life mm-hmm. trying to create change at scale. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, the vision for us. And you know, I'll close with this: uh, the vision 2030. We always talk about this. I always mm-hmm. ask people about their vision 2030. Yeah. Where do you see this going, mm-hmm. Silicon Savannah? You know, yes. Africa. These.
1: Uh, Before you do, just mm-hmm. explain Silicon Savannah to our audience and really yeah. the idea and, w- and what does it mean to you. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> it's interesting because. Uh, a lot of tech, there's a a flowering of technology ecosystems around the world, Mm -hmm. and all of them have adopted the moniker of Silicon this, Uh Silicon that, right? Uh So there's Silicon Slopes, which is Utah, Uh there's all kinds of, you know, I don't know what they call it in Bangalore, but I'm sure they have a name over there. Mm -hmm. But Silicon Savannah, somebody came up up with that to describe Nairobi, because we are right next to the Savannah, right? But, um, so yeah, my vision 2030, our vision 2030 at Impact Africa Network, right, Mm -hmm. is to be able to stand back, Mm -hmm. right, by 2030, and pick out of the Silicon Savannah skyline great African companies that we were part of building. Mm -hmm. And if I was to put some metrics behind that, Mm -hmm. it's 10 companies with 10,000 employees, quality jobs, Mm -hmm. valued at $10 billion. Mm -hmm. 10 companies, 10,000 employees, $10 billion in value. If Kai-Fu Lee says that the AI revolution is gonna create $15 trillion, Mm -hmm. Why else would you? What? What? What are we gonna do here? Yeah. Are we gonna be watching that
1: happen? Yeah. We need to be engaged. We need to be involved. We need to also Hello. get in get into it. That's, yeah. So so it's not so we some need to be part of that thirteen right. trillion. Yeah. It's
0: not just some highfalutin big number I've yeah. picked out of thin air. Yeah. Right. It's very very doable. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I guess that's that's that.
1: And is your is your dream for this network? because this network is Impact Africa, so your dream is to be a, a continent-wide initiative? Yeah, and so the- how, how, Where do you see it going?
0: So the concentration and focus for me right now is, you know, the right thing to do is you need concentration yes. of, of your energy and focus. Mm-hmm. It's Nairobi, and it's it's about pulling that network together and creating the, the, the blue chip, mm-hmm. right, for how to do this, mm-hmm. and we will create these companies, because the way an ecosystem grows is through concentration of people, talent, knowledge. That's how it grows. Mm-hmm. And then those companies will actually you know, have to become regional companies. They're mm-hmm. not gonna be serving Kenya alone. They're gonna yeah. be from Addis Ababa to Lusaka to Zambia. To mm. that's, that's, I'm thinking that level, right? yeah. because Kenya is not a, it's a small market. So we gotta start thinking Africa scale. Mm-hmm. So with that, um, uh, I see this as becoming the blueprint for how other ecosystems can scale, mm-hmm. but the only way we learn to add those markets is through partners on the ground in those markets. Very true. So we're going to build African companies mm-hmm. and we'll have mm-hmm. amazing leaders mm-hmm. in those other markets. Mm-hmm. For me, this is not just, Nairobi's kind of like the epicenter where you, you create that initial you know, yeah. uh, uh, outcome, mm-hmm. but the growth is, is, is everywhere. Yeah. Right? It's Addis, it's, it's, I mean, you name it, mm-hmm. right? And Lusaka. growing
1: with partnerships and partnerships building that network hiring
0: yeah. people from there, you mm-hmm. know, like to me it's network. Yeah. It's we need to change the African narrative. Yes. And we just need to kind of at the end of the day it's about giving people opportunity. Yeah. And um yeah, and if you really think the, the way really it really works, you'll have a, a few great companies in mm-hmm. each sector. Mm-hmm. In each segment, right? Um and so we want to create a few of those and support others in other markets. We want to create those for their regions, whether it's through the whether it's through a, as a franchise model or a partnership model or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. We want to spread the wealth, spread the knowledge, work together, and break this idea that this nationalistic thought process. Yes, it's just think about it as this one big market that we need to kind of change yeah. how things have been done for the last God knows how long.
1: And we're all together. We're all together. Just, the borders mean nothing. They're nothing.
0: They're nothing. Yeah. They're nothing. Yeah. Right, and so. Um, but, yeah, you got to start somewhere. you got to have a focus somewhere. I think um, Kigali has its advantages. Nairobi has definitely got its advantages. Mm-hmm. Lagos has its advantages. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, you, you need to have that concentration first. Yes. Because if you're too diffuse, mm-hmm. you don't have a foundation that you going to build on.
1: Yeah. And what would you say to any young African listening to this podcast who wants to get involved, who has a great idea? How do they get in touch with the Impact Africa Network? And what should they do um, before getting in touch? What are the steps that you would advise them to do? Look, keep,
0: keep stay learning, stay learning. There's a bunch of free information on YouTube. How many pod- educate yourself about the business of innovation, the business of becoming a top notch. Uh, person in whatever industry you're trying to do, who's had success before. Learn from people who've been there, done that. Mm-hmm. Stay learning. Your education, your, your idea is garbage right now. Mm-hmm. What is really valuable is what's between your ears. Mm-hmm. It's your attitude. It's how you keep sharpening that sore. It's how you keep in- ingesting useful information. Mm-hmm. It's how you keep elevating yourself, mm-hmm. right? And, and learning from people who've done what you're trying to do, period, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and you should not... You should know how things are done. There's a pattern to success. There's a pattern to outcomes. Mm-hmm. Why is it not, and it's available everywhere, mm-hmm. right? You can learn almost anything you need to learn on YouTube today. Mm-hmm. There's podcasts all over
1: the place. Yeah, We live in a digital in a digital age. Like, knowledge is free. Yeah, Knowledge is free, yeah. You know, for the most part. And mm-hmm. so, accessible. Yeah.
0: So I would say, educate yourself in terms of reaching out to us. Come with your, you know, come to add value. Mm-hmm. Right, come to, if if, if, if you, it's, your idea doesn't mean squat, usually, because mm-hmm. you haven't done anything with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not into ideas. I'm into outcomes yeah. and, and execution. Um, but listen, uh, it's about supporting each other. It's about uh, being collaborative. It's about being the best you you can be so mm-hmm. that you can add value. You have to be a positive, not a neutral. Mm-hmm. you got to be a net positive individual mm-hmm. in life in general, mm-hmm. right? Because we need everybody growing in the same direction and adding value to themselves. This idea that you can... There's no free lunch. Mm-hmm. This idea that somehow you can... We call it ujanja in Kenya. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like being too too clever by half. Yeah, you have to put in the work. Yeah, you have to put in the commitment. Mm-hmm. There things there's no shortcut to success. Unfortunately, our corruption history has kind of faked us that there's that a path yeah. to success through corruption, and unfortunately, it's just not true. It doesn't and mm-hmm. it's, unsus, it's unsustainable, mm-hmm. right? As we know, and mm-hmm. so. Um, yeah, you, there's so much opportunity. That's I mm-hmm. like, it's a 20 any young person right now, mm-hmm. if, you, if you decide to be good, if you decide to improve yourself and, and, and elevate your standards mm-hmm. and not across the board, mm-hmm. right, there's more opportunity than you can shake a stick at because most people are not doing that.
1: Mm-hmm. And what about the young people who feel as though the only way that I'm going to be successful is if I go and do my education abroad and I have nothing? You know, what would you say to them with the same way that you went through um, the universities in Kenya, you know, going to having that opportunity to go to America, what would you say for the average Kenyan, you know, yeah. young person who is unable to get that international education? Should, is that something they should try strive for? Yeah. Is it more about what you learn? Is it more about using the resources that we have? Because we're in a digital era versus the era that you grew up in? Yeah, it's, it's, a advise, uh, yeah? it's a different world now.
0: It's a different world now. Like I said, knowledge is everywhere. Mm-hmm. People can see what other people are doing all over the world instantaneously. Um, the opportunities in Africa. Mm-hmm. Let me say that again, the opportunities in Africa, right? Mm-hmm. And it may not seem that like that right now, but you know what? Uh, if you apply yourself, if you stay focused, if you uh, if you stay learning, mm-hmm. you will be able to see round corners when people cannot see them. And so, going abroad it it provides you with exposure. Exposure is important. So if you get the opportunity to go abroad, yeah, definitely take the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But be clear that why you're doing it, and mm-hmm. and 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 just think through some of those things. Talk to people who've been there, done that, who uh, who can kind of help you uh, plan that out a little bit more. One of the challenges that we don't people young people fail to have a lot of times is just mentorship and guidance so they can think uh, second and third order mm-hmm. steps ahead of where they are in the choices they're about to make and what the options are and so on and so forth so they can execute efficiently through that process without guesswork, mm-hmm. that's part of the problem. So going abroad isn't always just the solution. It's like, okay, it's it's a thing, but how are you gonna leverage it, right? Mm-hmm. How are you going to um, take advantage of it for, I mean, if, if I always think back, if somebody had kind of, if if I could meet myself where mm-hmm. I was like when I was going to Silicon Valley, right? Knowing what I know right now, obviously it would be very, very different. Yeah. I, I would have positioned myself very differently, completely. Um, but, uh, it is what it is. So.
1: Yeah. And what's your final motto? Like your motto in life, your a phrase that you live by a phrase that you truly believe in, that yeah. you feel yeah. could impart wisdom.
0: Yeah. So for me, the way I just think about it is, uh, I guess, I, the the model that I live by is, is our model, right? It was changing the African narrative by building great African companies in an ecosystem of high performance, high integrity, and high collaboration. Great.
1: Thank you so much. Awesome. Such a pleasure. Such an honor. Too well. long. <laughs> <laughs> that podcast was too long. I'm sorry, guys.
0: Enjoy it, though. <laughs>